We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and dark talk of looming conflict. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. Dear viewers, we have just received word that Libertarian Death Squad is taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Over of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so um, spectacularly and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its not to travel abroad it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Joe Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are you an now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island today declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. Today I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart. Money. Capitalism. It's in my fucking name, isn't it? ANCAP. The CAP stands for capitalism. The AN stands for anarcho. Put them together, you got capitalist anarcho. Put them together properly, you got anarcho-capitalist. Now, I see a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to capitalist. There's capitalism, there's crony capitalism, and then there's corporatism. A lot of people seem to think corporatism is the exact same as capitalism, and they think it's all crony capitalism. It's not. I'm going to go in depth on why. But just, you know, a little bit of this will be education for me too as I do it. Let's see if I end up eating my shoe at the end of the episode. I won't. Corporate, corporatism is big companies working with big companies to sell their products for a lower price, keeping their pockets fat while choking out mom and pop. Now that's corporatism. Monopolies of monopolies game monopolies. Capitalism. Mom and pop open up a bakery in a little city. Or big city, it doesn't fucking matter. Mom and pop shops. They make their donuts, they sell their donuts to the community. They use the money they get from making their donuts to buy more baking equipment. More baking equipment means more production. More production means more income. More income means more production costs. More production costs means better, bigger equipment. Then, they can open a second location. Second location, rinse, lather, repeat. 
Third location, rinse, lather, repeat. Fourth location, rinse, lather, and repeat. That's capitalism. Mom and pop making locations and franchises. Mom and pop aren't Walmart. Mom and pop, in this case being a bakery, they're not fucking... Okay, here, here, here. You got Little Debbie. Little Debbie's a corporate. Then you have Zingerman's. Zingerman's is capitalist, despite their socialist hipster customers. Zingerman's, owned by the same people who opened it back in like the fucking 80s or 70s or whatever the fuck they opened up that overpriced fucking hospital take place. They opened up a location in Ann Arbor. It was very successful. They opened up a second one in Ann Arbor. And then they opened up one in Ipsy. Then one in Detroit. Then so on and so forth. Now they brought on their friends and family. Now it's all owned by friends and family. And they open up more and more locations by the fucking year. They are not competing with Starbucks. They are not competing with anyone else other than themselves to succeed. And it is fucking hitting out of the park. They're not for me. I almost worked for them. Did not enjoy the people I met there. But I do love the local capitalism. Now, Will Debbie sells her shit fucking everywhere. Everywhere sells Will Debbie. But nowhere sells Little Debbie for a discount other than Walmart, Target, and other big box stores. Why? Because big box stores can look at Little Debbie and be like, hey, you want to sell all your units? Give them to us for a discount so we can sell them at a discount sell them all out. You will take an initial hit, but in the long run, all your units will sell and you'll make double your profit. And we get to pocket that difference while the little share, yeah, that up cost. Okay, Walmart will buy a, a pen. They'll buy a pen from Bic for a dollar and sell it to you for $2. Bic gets 75 cents of that first dollar. Walmart gets the rest of it. Now, Walmart gets $1.25. That's, whoa, they get more than the, than the production cost. Yes, the point. I am not explaining this well. That's fine. We have articles to read, of course. The best way to put it simply, capitalism is the people getting rich. Corporatism is state-sanctioned capitalism. There's the capitalism that says, be excited for the new product, and then be mindlessly excited for the new version of the same product. Capitalism is when you look at your opponent, you're like, whoa, you make a cool car. People are buying that cool car. What the fuck, man? I need it. My car is cool, but it's not as cool as your car. I better make my car not just as cool as your car, but cooler than your car to sell more. And then that's where capitalism breeds creativity. That's why when you look at cars back in the day, look at cars in the 60s. Look at cars in the 70s. Here, here's an example. Take Let's go to the 70s, right? Take a Mustang, a Camaro, and a Firebird. Strip them of all recognizable branding. Right? Strip the, the, the company logos off them. Leave just the frame and the chassis. Real car will look at those bodies and be like, oh yeah, Mustang, Firebird, Camaro. I can tell them all apart because they all look different. The frames themselves look cooler and they look cooler than the last. Now I'll take them now. Take a Corvette, take a Camaro, or you know what? Leave the Corvette out of this. The Corvette's still doing its own thing. Take a Camaro, a Mustang, and a Dodge Charger. Leave it so it's just the frame on some wheels. I guarantee you, a significant number less of car guys and people in general will be able to look at these three cars and tell you who tell tell you the difference between them. And at least with the old models from like the seventies I used in the first example, you line them up. People will be able to say, "Well, yeah, well these are clearly all different cars. Look at the framing; they're different." You look at these same three cars today, 
it's the same fucking frame. It's the same boxy shade with that sloped roof. They all look like Mustang circa 2010. They all look like it. Every fucking car. Because these car companies are so bought and so paid for and so wealthy, they don't need to compete anymore to win. They don't. Not to mention GM came in, or, well, GM went bankrupt, and then the government bailed them out in exchange for the government saying, well, here's the regulations we want on our vehicles. So now GM is government motors, and they're one of the big three, meaning they own at least, what, 25 if not 40% of all the cars on the road right now is made by GM and GM affiliates? <laughs> Same thing, government's interacting with Ford. Actually, Ford's the only company standing up to the government. They're saying, no, fuck your woke shit, fuck you. And they thrived under Trump, and they're still thriving today. Granted, they're having a hard time getting some of their shit, but they stayed stateside and stateside and kept making shit. Built for tough is the same as saying built American tough. I'm not a huge Ford guy, though. I like my foreign cars. I know, I know, I'm a bad boy. Snack my own hand. But I like some of them foreign cars. Same thing, you know, I like my, I like my Cold, Air, Cold War Soviet air firearms. It's like a Kalashnikov over a Thompson any day of the fucking week. Fight me. Now, again, with these same three cars today, you line them up, you take the wheels, the decal off, and you leave just the frames. They look the exact same. Why? Because they're no longer competing with each other. It's now all about the brand recognition. Same thing. Apple quit competing with Microsoft. Now Apple sells anything. As long as they slap an Apple logo on it, people will buy it for the... For the, the status and elitism that comes with owning these devices. These companies are not competing. You really think Microsoft, you really think there's still that, the spirit of Bill Gates versus Steve Jobs is still out there? No! Steve Wozniak doesn't give two fucks about Bill Gates. Not one iota of a half fuck given. However, look at these pop companies. Look at how many, how many Dr. Pepper clones there are. Dr. Mountain, Dr. Thunder, Dr. Pepper, spelled P-E-P-E-R, Dr. Peeper, P-E-P-E-R, that's all over down south, I saw Dr. Peeper. And then Pib, Pib is just British Dr. Pepper. In many ways, capitalism is still strong and competing, but it seems like the only people who have the permission to engage in real capitalism these days are these stores. Dr. Pepper is independently owned. I still drink Dr. Pepper because they're not, they don't, they are not owned by Coke or Pepsi. And what is crony capitalism? To put it simple, crony capitalism is what I said earlier. Crony capitalism is says, here's a phone. Be super duper excited even though you don't know anything about this phone. And then when we say we're going to launch the same phone, but name it the new phone part two, be even more mindlessly excited and hyped up for it. Then capitalism is, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. The only thing stopping you from becoming a millionaire is your own what is you in your own way. Corporatism is the state saying, oh yeah, here's a few billion dollars in tax funds. Go open that business and let us have 45% mm, of shares on it. You're capitalistic if you make it on your own. You're corporatist if you go in and have Dennis O'Leary give you money on Dragon's Den. And like... A good example of corporatism. Obama gave bailouts. Just go on Google right now. Here, I'll do it with you. You go on Google, type in Obama bails out, and see what comes up. I'll do it right now. And I actually have an article pulled up here about the automotive bailout. But here, I'll just type in Google. 
Obama bails out. Obama bails out Goldman Sachs, bails out GM, bails out Wall Street, bails out YTP, bails out USPS, bails out Post Office, bails out Banker, bails out Packaging, bails out Auto Industry. We are built on a capitalist society. There are no such things as bailouts. You should either succeed or fucking fail. Obama stepping in and giving tax dollars away to these corporations keep them open. For, you know how long we had to fight so other people like UPS and FedEx could handle legal mail? Do you know how hard they had to fight? Because originally, there was a federal monopoly where only the USPCS could handle fucking mail. It was illegal for any other carrier to even handle that shit. They even tried to shut down the Pony Express back in the, back in the Wild West days. Look this shit up. The U.S. government war with the Pony Express, which for all intents and purposes was the only mail carrier that Texas had at, at its availability. The federal government has way too much of it. The federal, the federal government itself is crony capitalism, if not straight up corporatism. I don't remember Obama asking us if he could use our money to bail out these fucking companies. I would have rather GM collapse. GM, by all intents and purposes, should have been allowed to wither and fucking die. Yes, it would have sucked for those workers, but those workers would have found new jobs. More entrepreneurial business owners would have been like, hey, I work at Ford. You GM employees know your way around these assembly plants. Come over here. Work for us, man. We got you. That didn't happen. Now you have shitty cars built with aluminum that get recalled in mass every year. And now, just think about GM a couple years ago. They had that poor fucking woman. I think it was like 2015 or 2014. Uh, GM puts this random woman who was like uh, like an assistant, whatever, for like 20 years. They put her in the CEO position just to watch her burn and take the hit for all that legal money laundering shit. And then as soon as that was all done and she got fried under the sun, she got replaced and the old guy stepped back in. I'm not reading that article. You can look that shit for yourself or take my word for it. Legit happened. Why are these banks getting bailed out? That's what led to the Occupy Wall Street movement. You have people on the left and the right. Then you have the Tea Party come along. That's where a lot of these populist movements start. There's nothing wrong with the populist left, and there's nothing wrong with the populist right. The whole thing is you have populists just debate on different ways to help the greater good. Now you have this toxic-ass socialist left that's actually very capitalistic, and this crony capitalistic Republican side that is absolutely the antithesis of, of, uh, of capitalism. Now, I have articles to get into. Now, I don't know what I'm going to read this one about the Texas bakery first. A Texas bakery lost customers after selling rainbow pride cookies. Thanks to support, it has sold out of cookies every day since. This is a story of good capitalism. I'm using CNN. Let's start. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm reading a CNN article about rainbow cookies. Expect your typical bullshit leftist bullshit. Moving on. The hateful reaction to an LGBTQ pride-inspired... Hey, they left out some alphabet people there. All right? The alphabetio spaghettio people are going to be very unhappy about that. It's LGBTQ plus IIAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAAA
and across the U.S. caught a glimpse of the vibrant cookies and the bakery's disheartened response to canceled orders and cruel comments. Oh no, people said mean words online. Owie. Read my comment section. Get a better mic, jackass. You sound like you're in a fucking wind tunnel, jackass. Even us in Australia can sound better than you, mate. Where's y'all's podcast? Uh, huh? Oh. So I thought I should the fuck up. Now back to the article. The U.S. caught glimpse of the vibrant cookies and the bakery's disheartened responses, response to canceled orders and cruel comments. They turned what could have been a potentially devastating week for the business into one of the baker's busiest weeks in 11 years. The international or the internal poor response stung confections. Okay. The initial poor response stung confections bakery company co-owner Don Cooley. Who runs the bakery with her sister Miranda, presumably Miranda Cooley. But for every negative comment or bad review they've received as a result the rainbow striped cookies there are 20 positive ones that make all the difference she said quote honestly we just made a rainbow heart cookie cooley said cooley told cnn quote we do not deserve all this attention we give gladly and perform small acts of services or kindnesses without expecting anything in return, be it acknowledgement or praise. We certainly don't expect hatred, end quote. The swell of support has become overwhelming in the days since their cookies debuted, and it's been difficult to keep up with the new demand. But throughout the good and the bad, she's just going to keep baking, quote, we are just doing what we can, what we do best. Or sorry, quote, we are just doing the best we can, she said, making our cookies. Customers bought up the entire inventory. Confections Bakery had never made a pride-inspired cookie in its 11-year history, mostly because a customer had never thought to order one. So when the patron asked Cooley, whether she planned to sell rainbow cookies for LGBTQ Pride Month, she happily obliged. Yes, because that thing says we pander to you more than give you an entire month. <coughs> Black History Month. <clears throat> Pride Month, sorry. Quote, I was simply trying to be inclusive, she said. Well, that's what you get for thinking. I'm kidding. She settled on heart-shaped sugar cookies with a glossy rainbow-striped frosting. Cooley shared a photo of six of them on the bakery's Facebook page with the caption, quote, All lovers of cookies and happiness are welcome here. Hmm. Sorry, I was reading a headline of this related article here. It says, uh, this is a related article, so off the point with this one. Uh, related, bleh, related article. Whether it's rainbow capitalism or bad design, LGBTQ people are calling out yeah, disingenuous pride merchandise. Finally. Wow, I didn't think I'd ever actually come out and call that shit out. I was actually impressed. Wow. I've been saying it for years. I'd feel horribly offended if I was gay because all this pandering bullshit. But people are calling it out now. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Now that you've stolen Taste the Rainbow from Skittles, is it not good enough for you? With the Zimbabwe flag as it normally is? Not your goofy-ass pride? But anyway, back to the article. The backlash was swift and shocking, she said. A customer canceled an order of five dozen cookies and a, quote, significant amount of followers, unlike the bakery's Facebook page. It's almost like you're in Texas or something. Quote, I wanted to show that we love all people, Cooley said. I know some people wouldn't like it, but I expect I didn't expect this reaction. Sweetheart. It's unfair that you get that, did get that reaction, but you are in the midst of a culture war, and you just walked into the battlefield. I, you're a casualty of this. Sucks to be you. She addressed the flood of criticism on the bakery's Facebook page and let customers know that there would be an overabundance of cookies available for purchase from the canceled order. Her heart felt heavy from the hateful messages her bakery had received, she said. Quote, hopefully tomorrow will be better, she wrote. The next day, customers lined up and down the street and around the block to buy the bakery's cookies within hours. Confection had completely sold out of his entire day's stock of 12 dozen cookies, plus the extra five dozen from the canceled orders. And it's cookies and cupcakes decorated decorating kits, Cooley said. Since the Rainbow Cookies debuted on Facebook Confection's small but mighty team, of three has had to close early several times in the last week to bake as many cookies as they can to meet demands. Would-be customers from across the U.S. have inquired about shipping, including Brian Cuban, brother of billionaire NBA American backstabber Mark Cuban. Wow. I have to say, for the reason CNN didn't call Mark Cuban a backstabber, I'm calling him an unpatriotic backstabbing bitch who approves of kneeling during the national anthem just just look into to his response to the whole kneeling thing that spineless bitch now when you watch dragon's den or shark tank watch okay when you learn watch seasons and episodes that come out after mark cuban was like yeah 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 kneel fuck the american flag and see mark and just see mr sunshine looking at mark cuban like you're a bitch and you will see him actively like outbid him on shit like like, uh, uh, oh, God, why can't even, that, Kevin O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary will be like, this product's garbage. And then Cuban's like, I'll buy it. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? No, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Fuck this pussy. I'll buy it. Kevin O'Leary for Prime Minister of Canada. Make it fucking happen. My God, make that shit happen. Can you imagine if Trump took office again in 2024 and then fucking Kevin O'Leary took Prime Minister position? Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Talk about an economic reckoning. I'm, all, I'm here for it. Before I get back to the article, this is an example of excellent capitalism. A, li- a little bakery got did something they wanted to try out, and the locals were like, oh, no, fuck that, I'm good. But then it goes online with it, and people travel to consume the product. They travel with the demand for your supply. They've come to your local business to buy up your stock where the local economy was not interested. That is good capitalism. Now, if the government was like, you better buy these cookies, and if you don't buy these cookies, we're going to use tax dollars to buy these cookies and secure this bakery's reopening. That's a version of corporatism. That's a version of crony capitalism. 
This right here is capitalism in its purest form. She has a company, she with her company tried something new. The locals said, no, thank you. But uh, the online demand said, yes, please. And people who wanted it came and got it. It was all on a voluntary, it was all on a volunteer basis. No one was forced or coerced to come and buy her faggoty fucking cookies. People took it upon themselves to come and buy her faggoty fucking cookies. I would buy her faggoty fucking cookies for a discount. I don't really like sugar cookies, honestly. It's not the rainbow thing. I love Skittles. I love sour Skittles. Just like I love salty, angry, sour, gay people. I love sour Skittles. Now, <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to take a break because I got to Mark Cuban. I was like, oh, I need to get my mind off that. Otherwise, I'll just rip into him hard. And this isn't the episode for it. I have a thing going if you haven't picked up on it yet. Anyway. Would-be customers from across the U.S. have inquired about shipping, including Brian Cuban, brother of billionaire NBA team owner Mark Cuban. Confections doesn't ship yet, so Cuban bought $100 worth of cookies to donate to a children's charity in town. Again, that's great. That's great. This man, of his own volition, says, okay, well, I can have them shipped to me. I will still buy these cookies. Just go and donate them. Just take them to some charity and feed these kids. Or whoever the fuck they went to. That is great. I love it. I love to see it. This is capitalism functioning. People at the top. People, billionaires, coming down and helping financially secure little small mom and pop shops of their own volition. No coercion, no pressure from outside media or outside sources. Just one billionaire being like, you know what? I like this company. I want to help them. And this company being like, wow, no one locally wanted to buy our cookies. Oh, well, we'll, we'll go online. Do like, anybody want to buy them? And the answer was yes. People wanted to buy them online. Mark Cuban's brothers, hopefully more patriotic, wanted to buy them too. I love this. This is great capitalism. Are you starting to get the theme here? Corporatism and crony capitalism isn't voluntary. Capitalism is all voluntary. Also ties in the NAP, the non-aggression principle, one of the four big doctrines of anarcho-capitalism, not just anarchy in general. Anyway... Cooley and her co-workers have hardly had time to pick up the phone since the rainbow cookies lift up Lufkin last week. Ever since the cookies lit up Lufkin last week. And they've only been able to take three new orders this week. The three women can only bake so much, Cooley said. Now, before I continue reading, again, this is great. You know what a good capitalist would do at this point? She would look around. I'm saying she because this is a female in this situation. She would look around and be like, okay, I have a high demand of cookies here. I'm selling out every day. My banker, my bakery shut down because I'm running off supplies to make shit. What do I do? You go and buy more supplies and you hire at least two or three more people that you know. I'm all for it. Hire people you know. Hire friends. Hire family. Hire associates. Have them come in and help you keep up with demand. Supply and demand. Now, the issue comes if you don't keep meeting this demand or... You don't meet this demand before before demand starts lightning and you're some... Let me try this again. If you don't keep up with the demand with your supply, you could see a financial backlash. Now, if you ride this out smartly until the demand slows down and stops on its own, you're golden, sweetheart. You're set. Back to the article. In lieu of donations to the bakery, 
Cooley and her sister asked fans to donate to local Lufkin animal shelters, a decision that received some criticism online, too, since the sisters did not recommend an LG. Oh, fuck you. You whiny fags. Of course you'd bitch about that. You're mad that she said her proceeds are going to... You're mad that she said donate to animals, not an LGBTQ plus cause. Fuck you, alright? Fuck you. Fuck every one of you rainbow stars and stripes loving bitches who has an issue with that. It goes to charity, not her own pocket, and you still bitch online about it? Suck dick. Actually, you know what? Suck clit. You don't like... You like dick too much, I can tell. <laughs> Suck some clit, make real men out of you. I'm so annoyed by that. A decision that received some criticism online, too, since the sisters did not recommend a faggoty fuck nonprofit. If you're mad about her donating to any charity, regardless of what it is, because it doesn't help your cause, fuck you. She's selling, she's selling fag cookies. She's selling fag cookies in the hopes of you buying them. To spread awareness for Gay Pride Month. This woman wasn't thinking about making Gay Pride shit originally. She was a bakery person making baked goods. And if you're like, hey, can I get some gay cupcakes? Some gay cookies? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, we got you. She took a commission, made it, and then people threw a fucking hissy fit. And now that she was like, all right, well, I'm selling online. People quit throwing hissy fits, and they're buying up my gay cookies. I'm going to donate the money to an animal shelter. Oh, well, you sell Pride cookies, but you can't donate the money to gay people? But you wouldn't have an issue. That money went straight into her pocket. You wouldn't. You wouldn't give a fuck. No one would complain. Like, oh, yeah, 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 we helped buy these gay cookies. And they went out of business. Or we, they, they, they sold out and kept in business. You're mad at the fact that you wouldn't care. If she donated, if she didn't donate at all and kept it in her back pocket, you wouldn't say shit. But the fact that she donated it to animals. By the way, animals need more help than you fucking fruitcakes do. You fucking fruitcakes don't need as much help. You are sentient human beings who can get shit yourselves. If dogs and cats were sending human beings, Michael Vick would be 50 shades of the shit kicked out of him before he got arrested for dog fighting. Alright? There wouldn't be stray cats on the streets if animals could, you know, have consciousness and defend for themselves. But y'all mad. Y'all fags are mad that someone actually went out and they helped some animals out. Sentient human beings with a fully developed frontal cortex and everything got mad that Abandoned animals are getting money. Donate to them to help them. Fuck you. You guys are less than dogs in my eyes for that. Not gay people as a whole, but the fucking faggoty fucks who had an issue with her donating to animal shelters. Y'all are less than, than fucking roadkill to me. Know that. Know that Inside Four Walls' official position is, if you have an issue with this woman donating to animal shelters, because she didn't donate to LGBTQ pluses, I fucking hate you. So does Inside Four Walls and Sin Media. Fuck you. I say that as the head of both. Hmm. Fucking jackasses. Nonprofits. Cooley told CNN charity told CNN the charity suggested are near and dear to her and her sister's hearts. See right here actually it says near and dear, but in brackets it says her and her sisters. That probably means she said our hearts. And they had to modify what she said to, to clearly indicate she, her and her sister are in on this. But well, that third chick, how does she feel? Since we need to find out how 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 her sister felt, we should probably deal with how the, how the other chick feels. Is she a fucking Trump supporter? Ugh. 
Cooley said, Cooley said, the show of support means everything, even though the bakery's detractors are just as loud. Quote, it's so easy to just concentrate on the negative sometimes, she said. Quote, when you see the same hurtful things being said to you over and over and over again, it's easy to doubt yourself, but I know in my heart, I know what my intentions are and were. The bakery will close for a brief summer break next week, Cooley said. When the confections reopen, they'll bake as many rainbow cookies as their ovens will allow. So right here. That article, despite my, my shit talking and my jokes, that's an example of great capitalism. Everyone who bought those cookies bought of their own volition and bought of their own wants to buy those cookies. The people who didn't buy them bought them because of their own volition and didn't want to buy those cookies. Mark Cuban's brother invested and bought some cookies and had them all donated. Also, can we get a Mark Cuban's brother for uh, for for not donating that money to LGBTQ causes? Like, what the fuck? What's he do? Hate hate sucking dick? Is he not like strap-ons? What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, I've cranked out three episodes today. Fuck you, alright? Leave me alone. Three episodes is more than I tend to do in a week. Now, here I have an article from Investopedia. The Walmart Effect. This is when we get into corporatism. What is the Walmart Effect? The Walmart Effect is a term used to refer to the economic impact felt by local businesses when a large company like Walmart, WMT, opens a location in the area. The Walmart effect usually manifests itself by forcing smaller retail firms out of business and reducing wages for competitors, for competitors' employees. Many local businesses oppose the introduction of Walmart stores to their territories for these exact reasons. Key takeaways. The Walmart effect is the effect that Walmart has been known to have on the communities in which it builds locations. There's actually a great Family Guy episode roughly about the same topic. Actually watch it. The one time Seth Marone doesn't have his head up his ass. Very few times. He doesn't. The presence or this part two, the presence of a Walmart store can hurt a business of small can help the business of can hurt the business of smaller companies and lower wages for local workers. Three, much of the Walmart effect can be attributed to Walmart's immense buying power. Four, the Walmart effect can also affect suppliers who must drive their product must drive their product costs down in order to afford to sell to Walmart. This is what I was saying earlier with that pen example. Remember? Walmart keeps a dollar seventy-five, but pen companies keep seventy-five cents. So that ASMR felt comfortable. And five. Although the term was used in the 90s, the Walmart effect became ubiquitous with the release of Charles Fishman's book by the same name. How the Walmart effect works. The Walmart effect also has its positive benefits. It can curb inflation and help keep employee productivity at an optimum level. Yes, while choking out the competition and polluting any sort of buying power these other companies may have had. Ah, back to the article. The chain of stores can also save also save customers billions of dollars, but may also reduce wages and competition in the area. 
important. The Walmart effect has been shown not only to affect competing companies and suppliers, but the customers in negative ways as well. Advantages and disadvantages of the Walmart effect. Walmart's in, I like how the first how the one before this was was how the Walmart effect works and it goes into the benefits. But and this is the next one is just like disadvantages and advantages. Why don't we just focus on advantages and then focus on disadvantages? Because there's a lot more disadvantages to this. Huh. Walmart's insistence on producing products at lower prices from suppliers means that suppliers must find a way to make their products for less money, or else they could be forced to take losses if they choose to sell throughout Walmart. <laughs> if they choose to sell through Walmart. The exposure of selling merchandise through Walmart may increase customers' awareness of a product. However, the cost of delivering that product to market may be pushed back upon the supplier. This can compel them to seek out lower costs. Translation, these manufacturers who sell their products to Walmart to sell will cut corners and make their shit even chintzier. Because they know Walmart is so big that they want to sell all their shit, they have to go through Walmart. But it says Walmart charges them and takes so much of the money from their product being sold, they have to cut costs to keep making profit. Crony capitalism, folks. Getting the difference yet? Ah. It may increase the customer's awareness of a product. However, the cost of delivering that product to market may be pushed back upon the supplier. This can compel them to seek out lower-cost alternatives to manufacture their product which could lead to the use of overseas operations or less expensive materials in the production of their goods. Requirements for the Walmart. The Walmart effect is driven by the scale and scope of Walmart's buying power. The company has over 4,700 stores in the U.S., including almost 600 Sam's Club stores. I was like 600 in the entire country of Sam's Club. I'm very lucky to have the three I have that close to me then, I guess. I'm curious how spread out they are. Because I'm thinking about it, I've gone through Mississippi, and I don't think I saw, I saw a Walmart. I don't think I saw a Sam's Club in Mississippi. And I've been there a bunch. Specifically the Bruce area of Mississippi. It's, it's a nice drive. Beautiful city. Barely anyone there. Great Sonics. And there's a really cool little antique store in Bruce, Mississippi. Love it! Now they're like, why the fuck does he go to Bruce, Mississippi? Why Bruce of all fucking places? It's not for family. It's for an alternative reason. But there is some family there. But it's mainly for alternative reasons. The family's more serendipitous to why I go down there. I'll leave that for a never answered question. Where are you going to Bruce, Mississippi? Mind your business, nigga. <laughs> you ain't never going to know. Anyway, back to the article. The Walmart effect is driven on scale and scope of Walmart's buying power. The company has over 4,700 stores in the U.S., including almost 600 Sam's Club stores. It's the largest employer in the U.S. as a retailer of its size. It can dictate price, the price it pays to, wholesale, to wholesalers at a magnitude many other companies just cannot. As a result, Walmart has the capacity to sell its merchandise at lower prices compared with other businesses in the market in which it operates. This can have an effect that goes beyond the retail market and into manufacturing the product. In addition to its buying power, Walmart has historically controlled its, compens oh, its compensation to employees in such a way that 
revival companies might feel pressure to reduce salaries or cut benefits to their workers in response. Once a Walmart location opens up, the lower prices the lower prices, concentration, and selection of merchandise in its stores tend to draw customers away from local retailers. With less foot traffic and declining sales, local retailers see their profits fall, forcing them to make cost-cutting decisions. Such, such strategies, however, may not be enough to keep the businesses open as Walmart continues to operate, operate profitably, while local retailers loses losses amount. In time, Walmart might choose to relocate its store to another location, but the impact of the initial arrival may continue to last well afterward. The term Walmart effect was first used in the 1990s, but Charles Fisherman wrote a book entitled The Walmart Effect in 2006, which details how economies are affected by Walmart. Fishman goes beyond the advantages and disadvantages for local business owners, but also include how Walmart can positively negatively impact customers. And that seems to be it for this article. It's not quite as in-depth as I was hoping. Now I have another... Where'd it go? There's the last article for this episode. So that's an example of crony capitalism. A store using its power to destroy the local businesses that would compete with it otherwise. But you do have to blame the customer a little bit for this too. The customer chooses to go to these big stores that would not notice if you didn't shop there. Instead of going to the local businesses which would notice you every time you walked in. Just say, I walk into Walmart, I get the same bland greeting from the same retired Ford employee fucko I get every other day. Oh, I walk on to Walmart. Get your shit and get out. I go to these little local stores. I use a bakery because there's a local bakery in my city I love to go to. They're rarely open, but Terry's Bakery? Mm, I don't know who Terry is. Maybe Terry's the, the lady's husband or the lady herself. But it's a really good bakery. they got weird hours, though. They're not open in the afternoon. They're like a, a morning, Wednesday through Saturday kind of thing. And sometimes they'll just catch them randomly open at like 9.30 at night. It's, it's quite random there. I don't know how they stay open. And there's another bakery in my city called Dom's. These two bakeries compete with each other. Dom's Bakeries and Terry's Bakery. These two places compete. They compete hard. But they either sell the same rest, they sell the same shit at both, but they make it differently, and they constantly release new shit. Dom's Bakery releases something new. Terry's Bakery releases something new. Dom gets weird, gets weird hours. Terry's gets normal, more regular hours. Terry's get, gets weird hours like they're do, dealing with now. Donald's Bakery gets more consistent, regular hours. They compete. That's capitalism. That's how capitalism breeds creativity and ingenuity. Yes, shoe on head. Your understanding of how capitalism works is fucked. But you're a Canadian who lives in New York. What more do I expect out of you? You fucking froggy leafer. Was that her ex? I follow YouTube drama and shit. I just don't talk about it because... I mean, I follow everything online. I just don't talk about half the shit I follow. I can't address, address 4chan. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting off the fucking point here. I don't want to bide in myself. Ugh. But. What's a good example? Oh, let's say a Krispy Kreme moves into the city. 
and they start selling their shit. They're so big, so powerful, co- so corporatized. They can go around in the community, hand out free samples and shit. They're like, hey, yeah, 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 come in. Here's a coupon. Buy one expensive donut for this amount of money. Get one free. A lesser value, though. <laughs> and these local bakeries just can't compete with that kind of shit because they don't have the money, don't have the overhead to compete with it. And as an ANCAP, I believe the federal government and the free market should have nothing to do with each other. The federal government should have nothing to do with the market. And yes, that implies everything you think it does. There should be no Surgeon General evaluating shit, so on and so forth. It all should be regulated on a state-by-state basis. Now, the issue comes in when the federal government takes your tax dollars and my tax dollars to bail out these big corporations that have forever fucked and shat on the little guy without giving back to the little guy. But we're going to get into that story now. Forbes from 2016, better time, of course. As Obama takes victory lap over over auto industry rescue, here's the lessons of the bailout. Again, there are no bailouts of capitalism. You fail, you fail. You succeed, you succeed. You hit an economic downturn, you find a way to thrive or die. The government should not be coming in and bailing you out for any fucking reason. None at all. Neither should the state government. If the customers are not buying your supply, then you don't deserve to be open. If the customers aren't buying from you, you don't deserve to be open. It should not be that hard. If you cannot voluntarily get people to come in, give you their money in exchange for your goods, you do not deserve to be open. And all these big companies that become monopolistic or oligarchic in their nature, they start off pebbly. And they grew. Now, at some point, they got a chip in from the government, or they bring in so much money statewide, statewide, also tax-wise, that the federal government, the state government, have an interest in keeping them open and sustained. That's where cap the corporatism corporatism comes in. That's where crony capitalism becomes corporatism. Wal- let's say a uh, Walmart for some reason hits like this bad. They move into a city, right? Walmart shuts down all the local stores. That's crony capitalism. Because they can afford to cut their Walmart and be like, oh, yeah, 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 this local business sells it, and this is as cheap as they can go. They can sell you, let's say, an uh, example. I have a monster here. I know it's not a good example, but fucking humor me. I have a monster right here. Ah, good shit. Ah, I'm sticky beard now. Uh, Mom and Pop's energy drink depot. The bare minimum they can sell this monster for. It's 50 bucks. They can't afford to go any lower. They're barely making a profit. At most, they're making like a 4% profit, right? Walmart. Okay, um, let, me, let me try this again. Monster sells their supply of energy drinks. Sells this one can of energy drink here, right? Monster sells this monster to mom and pop shop for 50 bucks, right? Mom and pop have to sell it. At least 60 to make their money and some extra back. But Walmart's in town. They know that it compete with Walmart. So they lower it down as as low as they can take it. So they're selling it for 55 bucks. This monster is 55 bucks, right? We're only making a $5, $5 profit off of it. You know, we're barely making our money back, but this is as low as we can go. Walmart sees as low as they can go. They turn around with all their power, look at Montego. Sell us your shit for 25 bucks. Sell it us for 25 and we'll sell all of your units. 
Monster's like, well, I don't know, man. That's pr- that cuts into my bottom dollar. Yes, but we're Walmart, and you know we'll sell every single unit of your shit. We'll sell it. You will be one iota of it left, and you will make your manufacturing cost back and your sales cost back with a little extra. All you have to do is an initial pay cut or an initial sales cost cut to us. And Monster's like, fine, fine. 25 bucks for you. 50 for mom and pop. Walmart's like, cool, thank you. We'll sell it for 30 bucks. $20 cheaper than mom, or $25 cheaper than mom and pop can do it. You see the problem now? Mom and pop are like, we can't lower our costs to compete. Customers are like, yeah, but Walmart's on it for, it's on it for 30. You're selling it for 55. Can you do a little lower? Mom and pop are like, no, we literally cannot afford to do any lower. So they go to Walmart, where Walmart has all the negotiation power in the world because of how big they are. Wall and now Walmart is not a monopoly. They're not. Um, I hate to tell it to you, they're they're not a monopoly, at all. They are crony as fuck though. They use uh, they use their power to get an unfair advantage over other people, and they purposely will go out of their way to stifle and shut down other rival companies that may try to step up and compete with them eventually. I mean, fuck, they murdered Kmart. They murdered Kmart the same way Obama murdered fucking Mitt Romney's political career in 2012. Kmart ran the the ad campaign focusing on their stores. Like, yeah, blue light specials. Walmart was like, fuck Kmart. Look at their garbage customer service. Look Look at their garbage location. Look at their garbage stores. They ran personal attack ads against Kmart, and Kmart died. Kmart didn't personally attack Walmart. As far as Kmart knew, why are we competing with Walmart? They should be competing with, like, Kroger's. They're more similar than we are. We're more comparable to, like, Target. But nonetheless, Walmart killed Kmart. The thing about Kmart is, Kmart routinely gave money to local businesses. In fact, Walmart would often have advertisements for other businesses in the area inside their stores. Do you remember Kmart? Remember going to Kmart and they had that big kiosk? Right in the first level, it was like all, all like the, it was like the selling catalog for Kmart, right? And then, and then you look down, and underneath it was like, uh, Fred's local delicatessen menu, or or uh, Big Josh's Pizza Depot, or uh, little little Drake's car repair. A bunch of flyers for local businesses in the area. They even sold locally sourced shit. You go into a you go into a, to a Kmart, and they'll have. Made with Michigan. Made in Michigan. Made in Michigan. And we have one Kmart left, and I don't even know if they're still open. They were open like a month ago. I still go in there occasionally just for the nostalgic of it. You know, you walk in, and it's like, boom, welcome to Kmart. It's like, oh, God, take me back. Take me back. I want to go back. Oh, everything went wrong in 2016. Take my ass back. I want to be back in 2000. I want to go into Kmart. And they're like, Ladies and gentlemen, the fellow shoppers of Kmart, the blue light specials start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then the blue lights turn on, and everybody goes, oh my fucking god! Because a random deal just hit. A random fucking discount just hit. And everything goes through the fucking roof, like, oh my god, Kmart! Fuck yeah, Kmart! And then Walmart was like, fuck you, Kmart. And murdered it. And this isn't like how Netflix took out Blockbuster. No, 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 no. Way different, way different. Blockbuster denied buying Netflix, and Netflix was like, okay, well, you know, I guess we'll do our own thing and see what happens. And what happens is 
they boomed. They became a giant. Netflix and chill is now a thing. Block a blockbuster night. Used to, before you had Netflix and chill, your friends would be like, hey, what'd you do tonight? Oh, I'm having a blockbuster night. You know, I'm going to go rent a couple movies, go to that pad, and just a couple friends get together and watch them. And now people just fuck to Netflix. I love those memes where it's like, Netflix, are you still watching? There's shows like a, a clip of a porn star covered in nut. And it says someone's daughter. <laughs> uh, it's so true, though. Look up, look up, make it a blockbuster night. And you'll see just the most heartwarming shit from back in the day. I'm very nostalgic for what capitalism used to be in this country. 90s was like peak capitalism, in my opinion. Anyway, now I got off the track. Like I said, Walmart moves into the area. They shut down Mom and Pop's monster shop, and they start selling their monsters for $30 a can. Mom and Pop shop shut down, and uh, let's say Speedway, right? And, you know, Speedway's got good deals on monsters. Speedway comes in, three monsters for $30. Walmart's like, whoa, what the fuck? How do you do that? Well, Speedway has kind of the same negotiation, the same negotiation powers that Walmart does on very specific items. They really do because you know we're on the way. The convenience stores of Speedway, billion dollar jingle right there. Every street corner has a fucking uh, Speedway. Speedway does the same thing Walmart does. Or Speedway is like, yeah, 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 sell us that for a discount, and then we'll hawk all your shit and make sure every unit's sold. Get crazy. These companies are like, yeah, sure, a Walmart treatment. Here you go. Now, Walmart's getting fucked because for $30, you can buy three fucking monsters instead of the one monster at Walmart for $30. This is all hypothetical, Chris. Now, let's say Walmart's like starting to sweat. They start losing money and customers rapidly. <sighs> In a capitalistic country, they would be, Walmart would be allowed to fail and die on its own. Because they couldn't keep up the competition with Speedway. So, the U.S. government now steps in and goes, I'll uh, tell you what, how about Mr. President, uh, President Hussein here, I'll, uh, I'll give you two trillion of the American taxpayer dollars to save you from bankruptcy. Walmart goes, thank God, thank you, Mr. Mr. Hussein Obama, and takes the money and then fucking stays open. That's where corporatism comes in, because the federal government has no business giving your money to a company that cannot keep up competition with other companies. That's the government fucking with free market. Have I explained to you the difference between capitalism, crony capitalism, and corporatism? Because if not, I feel like I've greatly failed you. Now I have one more article to get into for today's episode. Obama takes victory lap over auto industry rescue. Here's the lessons of the bailout. And again, in true capitalism, there is no fucking bailouts. There are no handouts. There are loans, and you pay them back. The fact that these were given as bailouts fucks the economy. And again, that's all Obama did for eight years was fuck the economy. And now Biden, in less than six months, has done the exact same fucking thing he did in eight, Obama did in eight years in six months. <sighs> There's still three and a half years ahead of us. Enjoy it. To the article. If there is one city and one state 
where President Obama should feel welcome. It's Detroit and Michigan. No. Fuck you. Stay out of my state. So oddly enough, on a side note, working at the fancy restaurant I do, I've actually met Obama's daughters. Or at least the one. Seems like a nice gal. Seems nice enough. And got keep in mind, I've, I've met Obama's or Bush's daughters. And those are the most snobby bitches you'll ever fucking meet. They have no reason to be that snobby. As much as I dislike Michelle and Obama, they did a great job. Their daughter seems very nice. They seem very kind. They tipped very generously. And quite frankly, they, so Obama's daughter goes to U of M. And it's not hard to tell if they're at the club, at the bar, at the restaurant, or wherever. Because about 50 dudes in black suits and sunglasses. It's like that. If you ever watch Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, it's like that. You know, when when, Hil- when Paris's fucking dad would come to town, and he's surrounded by, like, bodyguards that just, like, shuffle. Like, and, like, circles around him. It's like that. You should have seen it, man. I walked into a place called the Alley Bar. Obama's daughter, I can't, I don't know their names. She was sitting across the bar with, like, a million Secret Service dudes. And I'm just sitting across the bar in a MAGA hat. I look at her, I wave, and she like kind of twiddles her fingers back at me. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. I'll give you a drink, please. And by the way, Alley Bar is like a big local, like lo- used to be the townies bar. It used to be Alley Bar, where you see like only like tourists didn't go there. It wasn't like for the the here for the semester college student. It was like the Ann Arbor folk went to Alley Bar. Now they got like neon signs and all sorts of retarded, goofy shit that completely spits in the face of what they used to be. That. You know, you can't do shit with it. Anyway. So I love to go in there with my MAGA gear on and just watch the dirty looks rolling. But again, you know, I've talked to her briefly. She seems really nice. I'm not going to talk shit on Obama's kids. I don't target people's kids. I just wanted to say one nice thing because I feel like I'm shitting on Obama a lot. And for the shithead that Obama and Michelle are, their daughter seems to come out great. She's really nice. Again, great tipper. One of my uh, friends at work took was her server. He had nothing but nice things to say about her. So, but that's just a, a, a side note here. I, I hate when I see people attack Baron Trump, and I hated seeing Republicans attack Obama's daughters during his presidency. Leave the kids and the family out of it. Now, Michelle, she played an active role in a lot of Obama's choices. Like, uh, look at that healthcare thing, and like, Reese doing all the school lunches across America. Like, that shit. <clears throat> So I have room to bitch about her, just like I can bitch about FDR's fucking wife. If they play a significant role in America's political system and their role has an effect on everyday lives, they should be open to criticism. They go from being a private resident who happens to be connected to a, you know, a public figure. Just because you're married to a president doesn't make you a public figure. You know? And that's why I don't have too much to say. I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to, like, Trump's wife. We can't, is it Ivanka or Melania? I think it's Melania. I have hard time keeping, keeping it straight. Anyway, Melania Trump didn't really do shit. She, like, rearranged a, a rose garden, and I remember everybody shitting on her for it. But Larry, most people seem to really like her. I had a problem with how people went after, after Baron. So I just wanted to, like, say something nice here, because I'm about to just really rip into a bomb over being a cunt. Anyway. If there is one city and one state where President Obama should feel welcomed, it's Detroit and Michigan. In his visit to the North American International Auto Show today, he took a victory lap touring his administration's bailout of General Motors and Chrysler. By the way, General Motors' new name, I don't know if this is like outside Michigan, but you talk to anybody who's not in the union but works in the automotive industry, 
Good luck finding them. They refer to it as government motors now. It's not GM, it's government motors, not General Motors. The decision to bail out General Motors and Chrysler and aid their financial financial subsidi subsidiaries and suppliers through a loan granted in 2009 in the teeth of the economic meltdown that gripped the world market. Yeah, probably don't give away our money during a recession. Then again, if you look back, all of Obama's presidency was a fucking recession, like 2009 and onward. Bush fucked the economy with the war on terror and all the money he sank into that shit, not to mention the lies ever propped up through money. But Bush and Cheney walked out of their multi-millionaires. They walked in millionaires. They walked out multi-multi-millionaires suspiciously. Mm, the military industrial complex pays well, doesn't it? Fucking cunts. All the Bushes are war criminals and should be fired for treason. What do I mean by fired? What's the punishment for treason? Moving on. The decision to bail out General Motors and Chrysler and aid their finance, financing subsidiaries and suppliers through a loan granted in 2009 in the teeth of the economic meltdown that gripped the world's market was hotly debated at the time and since. But given the 640,000 auto, automotive industry jobs created since then, and the record sales by industry in 2015, and the president has had room to crow. I've never heard that used as a victory term, to crow. Usually crow is like a bad thing, right? Like like when I've heard crow used, it's like, uh, you know, in his final deathbed, he crowed away. Not croaked, but crowed. I don't know, maybe crowed and crow are used differently. I don't fucking know. But either way, no. You used tax dollars, gave them a fucking bailout, and you didn't ask us what we thought of it. And then most people were like, yeah, no, no. And by the way, with these fucking 640,000 automotive jobs, just because one automotive ma uh, manufacturer shut down doesn't mean these other ones would have. They would have been like, hey, Ford would have been like, yeah, come here, come work for us. Come work for us. Lincoln and all of them would have been like, hey, 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 hey come here, come here, come here. We, we, got, we got positions for you. Ford's never not been hiring. So these 64,000 people could have gotten a job at you know the other automotive places. Not to mention certain jobs easily transfer over to like a garage for same pay if you work at like a Valero garage. It, it, I find it asinine that they use that as a point. Again, people are still quitting these jobs at these companies and Ford's hiring by the shitload. Quote, I think the president is well entitled to come to Detroit to celebrate the auto auto industry because he made some very tough decisions that at the time were politically very unpopular. Stephen Ratner, former car czar who advised the president on the bailout, told MLI, the head of the president, geez, I wonder why he has such nice things to say about it. It was his fucking idea. Weird. Weird how that works. It's like, it's like if someone was like, Back in Germany, well, yeah, Hitler's idea to build Auschwitz was a great one. You know, I advised him to do it. Yeah, Schalmer, I bet you did. And you're sitting here defending it because you played a role in it. If this guy was like, yeah, I told Obama to do it, it was a terrible idea, he'd have to admit wrong on his part. And we know anything about leftists and liberals. Well, liberals and leftists are not the same thing at all. But we know anything about the left side of politics. They don't like being told they were wrong. 
Even Trump could apologize for his grandma the pussy line. Why can't you apologize for your terrible decision to use taxpayer dollars unwarranted during an economic fucking crisis? And Karzar? Karzar. Like Kaiser? Karzar? Mmm. The fact that America has anything that goes under the name of SAR, C-Z-A-R, is alarming. The Karzar who advised the president on the bailout told MLI the head of the president's visit. I fucking... Mm. Besides the job recovery in the auto industry, this auto bailout happened in like 20... Like 2009, 2010. No one... We still had an economic... We still went through a recession. We went through a recession all the way through 2014. And then 2015, things sort of stagnated and quit going up and down. Then 2016 got in, and by the end of 2016, we were just booming again, baby, booming. Well, by the end, by like the start, by the end of 2016, the start and middle of 2017, our economy is. By the end of 2019, the economy was the best of our lives, is what all the headlines said. Obama's bailouts didn't save anyone, and again, this is just the automotive industry. He bailed out banks. He bailed out hedge funds. It goes on. And if you're like me, and you're sitting on that GME and that fucking uh, AMC stock, you know why you bought it. You didn't buy it because it was a good investment. You bought it to fuck the hedge funds. And I know that's why you bought it. Because if you bought it for any other reason, you're just there for the meme. Go buy some Dogecoin. Fucking pussy. Besides the job recovery in the auto industry, GM and Chrysler have paid back their obligations to the U.S. Treasurer both companies, plus Ford Motor Co., which did not go through bankruptcy and are thriving today, having restructured healthcare and pension obligations and closed brands and factories. They did not need. So GM and Chrysler expanded when they couldn't afford to, and Ford said, oh, you know, we got too many plans we can't afford to keep open. Shut those down. Ford doesn't go running for government money. They take it upon themselves. If you look at like some of the written words on how Henry Ford wanted Ford Motor Company's like control down the line, it's still being ran the same way he dictated all those years ago when he died. By the way, I think this year is like the 125th anniversary of the first like car ride or some shit. Uh, I don't have it offhand. It was some I saw something in the news the other day, like uh, like either today or the day before was uh, the anniversary of Henry Ford's first functional car. Did not go through bankruptcy and are thriving today. Having those brand factories, they did not need GM, for example. Give me one second. All right, now that was a phone call. Anyway, I'm back. GM, for example, shuttered Hummer, Pontiac, Saturn, and the Saab. In short, the three companies were able to dramatically lower their break-even point, the number of industry sales required to cover their costs. In 2009, the break-even point was lowered from about 14 million industry sales a year to about 10 million. Last year, the industry sold 17.5 million light vehicles. And the forecasts are still that it will sell some 18 million more this year. Profits are healthy. Huh. This is in 2016. Mind you, in the current year, we're having a massive automotive shortage. 
even with the comeback of these three companies based in Detroit, in the Detroit area, there are those, then as now, who feel the president overreached. Former Republican presidential not candidate Mitt Romney, a Michigan native son. Yeah, we don't claim him. Mitt Romney's dad was a great man, was a great governor for the state. Mitt Romney is literally all that's left. Ew. Okay. I will agree with him on this one, though. A Michigan native son whose father was president of the American Motors Company in the 1950s before being elected to governor of Michigan famously wrote in the New York Times in 2008, quote, if General Motors and Ford and Chrysler get the bailout that their chief executive asked for, you can kiss the American automotive industry goodbye. Romney abdicated, letting the companies go bankrupt, as Obama did, but not with help from the U.S. Treasurer. So, they could have, quote, controlled bankruptcy. A little bit of context here. Who, Mitt Romney's running mate was uh, uh, Paul Ryan, and that's the guy that restructured the American banking system, like with, with Comerica Park, was it Five Thirds Bank, or whatever the fuck the other one is. So... Mm. <laughs> A little context should be added here occasionally to this article. Anyway, controlled bankruptcy. But the president had little choice unless he wanted to smash the U.S. auto industry with no clear picture of what would be left in the aftermath. Now we have Tesla. Now we have Tesla. There's, there's always going to be a company that will come along and fill the power vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. So if the big three automotive companies collapsed a new car manufacturer would rise in their place. That's just how it works. Ooh, ha, ba, ba, ba. With no clear picture of what would be left in the aftermath, for any company to go through bankruptcy, they need a bank or a consortium. Oh, what the hell? Consortium banks to provide financing. No banks or banks stepped in or stepped up until 2009 to handle the GM and Chrysler bankruptcy. So the U.S. Treasury tapped troubled asset relief program. Let me try that again. The U.S. Treasury tapped trouble asset relief program, TARP, funds to help the automotive industry. Support the bailout. Support for the bailout was low in 2009, but climbed later when the success was evident at just 37% of Americans in 2009, according to the CNN opinion reach. Okay, so CNN polls CNN's audience. CNN's audience is retardedly dark blue liberal. So I'm sure if you did more of a unilateral polling on this outside of your fan base, CNN, you wouldn't get this high number right off the bat. 37%? No. National approval rating for that shit was under 20. But you quizzed your audience, and you got your 37%. You don't do a wide net search. You just put a poll on your site or you ask people to write into you. You poll your audience. You don't poll people who have various variations and opinions. Gee, the blue, a bunch of blue, blue demon rats all went for it. I wonder why. Now back to the article. Just 37% of Americans in 2009, according to CNN's opinions research, Corporation poll approved of the plan, while 67% of Americans approved in 2012, according to Pew Research Center poll. Okay. Well, now that's pie on my face, isn't it? 
don't know how Pew does their thing. I hear they're reputable. I really don't know, but CNN didn't do the second one. So, okay. That was my bad. But still, the thing about CNN only pulling their people is true. <laughs> the next cost to taxpayers was tallied to be $9.7 billion during the recession, by the way. But even that number is pretty meaningless, harder to calculate, but no loss real. What? But no, no less real. Okay, sorry. Is the economic impact of 1.55 million workers paying taxes on good jobs, fueling the economy, growth of their com uh, communities, etc.? There is a total of 2.25 million jobs impacted by the automotive industry. Had the president not intervened, it's not as if all those jobs would have vanished. But in the midst of a broad economic meltdown, the extent that would extend overseas, 9.7 billion at the time seems cheap to ensure peace of mind about keeping the automotive industry intact on predictable course as the backbone of what is left of the U.S. manufacturing base. So it's not... If other countries have issues with the big three collapse, those are those other countries' issues to deal with, not our own. Furthermore, peace of mind, my ass. The American people were not consulted about this. You just went and fucking did it. Same thing with the whole Obamacare thing. You just went through and forced it in when the American general public said, we don't want this. You used your Democrat House, your Democrat Senate, and your executive powers to get that shit through. This helped no one. This kept... <laughs> Okay, so it kept the jobs open. It kept the manufacturers open. But again, every one of these companies has had mass recalls on their cars since. The quality of these cars that have been being built since the bailout is shit. All the government sanctions and regulations on how GM and Chrysler can build their shit have absolutely fucked over the quality of these cars. This is coming from somebody who, in their side time, works on cars. <laughs> You ever try to change the time belt on Chrysler? Do that, and you'll see how shit these cars are. What did we learn from the GM and Chrysler bailouts? One, the bankruptcy for major companies in vital industries is okay. No, it's not. Well, the bankruptcy for them is, yes, that, that's fine. And nothing to fear, and that the U.S. Treasurer can provide extraordinary and useful stability in the process in the right circumstances. No, we can't. Let them fail on their own. Let them die. Let them fucking go bankrupt. Let them collapse into their own shit. We should not be providing bailouts. Capitalism does not have bailouts. Two, the federal government acting on policy to level and on a policy level to create and protect jobs of middle class families is not a terrible thing. Yes, it is. Have you never heard the scariest nine words known to man? Hi, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. No one wants that. Unless you're a blue-pilled, cucked faggot Democrat. Ah. Is not a terrible thing. It is. Even if the files, even if, the, even if it flies temporarily in the face of free market principles, principles don't have to eat and play don't have to eat and pay mortgages, but people do. Right, 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 right. I robbed this guy to buy a cancer, or I robbed this billionaire for all of his money to treat my cancer patient daughter. 
you can run that by them. If the cops come to your house, be like, even if it flies temporarily in the face of free market principles, principles don't have to eat and pay bills or mortgages, man, but people do. And you'll be slept in handcuffs and beaten before you reach your cell, as it should be. Three, the that labor unions. I hate unions. The UAW is shit, and if I ever got the governor position, I would destroy the UAW. And I would probably get assassinated, whacked by those cunts. But if you're part of the UAW, you're a fucking weak, spineless faggot. And I mean every bit of that. I don't have to be nice about that. The labor unions, though the last bulwark between CEOs with soft boards of directors and employees can get too far over their skis, no shit, in demanding crazy benefits such as the UAW's job bank, which became a holding pen for unneeded workers who got paid for no work. Again, the unions are garbage, all of them. Unions would be wise to fight for more reasonable benefits that will not draw the ire or ridicule of opponents, the media, and non-union workers. So the thing about the union is they're really going to lead you to being replaced by machines, right? Yeah, you got all these people unionizing, and all these other companies are like, well, fine, I guess we'll just get robots to do the job. Fuck you guys. Robots don't need to be paid. Robots only need occasional payment when it comes to repairing maintenance costs, which is far cheaper than paying your fat, lazy, socializing, unionizing ass, you stupid, dumb fuck. May you be jobless, may you be homeless, so I can walk by and get a, and say, get a fucking job. No sympathy for you union workers, because you go on strike and protest already fair wages, because you're spoiled little punk bitches. And you're going to get paid for, for it. Oh yeah, you'll get paid. You'll get paid when you're getting food stamps and bridge cards. You probably have to, you already are. Just going off the people I know for the UAW, you already are collecting bridge cards and stamps and all that nonsense collectivizing bitches <laughs> four the u.s could stand to learn some things from more intelligent countries no we can't other countries follow our lead we don't follow their lead and until this dumb cunt biden got in they followed our lead things from more intelligent countries and governments such as germany these valkyne sagat sorry sorry i will not sing erica seven if you don't know what that is, don't worry how I know it. I'll let you know. It's, it's the Nazi chant. It's a Nazi Socialist Party chant. Uh, that entire song. Yeah, I can I also know. It's like, You know, the USSR's anthem. The only German and Russian I know are the anthems for the Cold War eras. Ah, uh, that's fun. More intelligent countries such as Germany. Which actually links industrial, healthcare, employment, and tax policy. Yeah, they're a socialist shit heap. Jesus. Employment and tax policy. Other countries consider these policy areas not just individually, but as interrelated. Okay. The U.S. torn apart by political hate hate-mongering between two major parties, considering these ideas only in silos. Which is why the U.S., for example, still depends on employers to provide most health care coverage. 
Uh, on that one. Fails to invest properly into infrastructure and cuts and cuts lopsided trade deals that open up the U.S. market for foreign countries without the same countries opening up for their markets to the U.S. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing that this article was written in 2016, remember. Remember who gets in in 2016, and remember the fucking great trade deals we had and the tariffs we had slapped on other countries. Remember that. <laughs> Five. That, when freed from the burdens of long-term legacy expansions, or expenses, sorry, such as pension and healthcare expenses for decades for employees, GM, Ford, and Chrysler can indeed compete head-to-head with foreign automakers model to model for model. The current Corvette, or the current Chevrolet Malibu, and Impala, Ford Fusion, and Explorer, Jeep Grand Cherokee, I actually had to read your brand that one because of racial tension, but it's now the, group, the Jeep Grand Scalper. And Cherokee, we call it Blackfoot now, are every bit as good as their foreign makers. Are they... I mean, uh, uh, not since, not, the Ford, yes, anything GM related, no, but it will undoubtedly take a lot of young baby boomers, Gen Xers and Millennials, what about the Zoomers, man, we're here, hate all of you, more time to, dis- more time to discover and unwind their brand preferences from imports, buy American, you bitch. <laughs> Today, GM and Ford and Chrysler are making profits hand over fist selling a bumper a bumper crop of pickup trucks. A bumper crop of pickup trucks. Selling a bumper crop of pickup trucks. It, it sounds weird every time I read it. Which they do far better than the Asian competition. What do you mean? We have hot slave labor. We make slave work really hot to these cars. We work hard all day and night. They make the cars. And SUVs and crossovers. That is in part due to plummeting gas prices. When gas prices tank, the U.S. car buyers love to buy more pickups and SUVs. That's not the fault of the car companies. For they also have excellent small cars and hybrids now as well. It's the free market. I want to smack you for this whole thing about the government bailing out automotives and you say it's the free market. You literally just had a bit in here talking about how everything Obama did flew in the face of free enterprise and market. And they're like, it's the free market. I will make you watch me cock slap your wife. You'd probably like it. Anyway, free marketeers and free traders who like to stand on principles will never be convinced that the U.S. Treasurer's bailout of the U.S. auto industry was... A sound fiscal policy. It wasn't. Nothing about it was sound. Nothing about it was fucking fiscal. It was all a big fuck you. But there are about 7.25 million people who are grateful for the stability that Obama's plan brought. And the inflation that came with it. The people who are happy with this don't understand how the economy works or the fact that they just fucked themselves in the long run. Obama's plan brought. And who are paying taxes and buying stuff to help the economy. This is so ironic reading in the year 2021, you know, when the economy's fucked. Everyone, half the country's on lockdown. 
and we're being mocked on the world scale, and our prices for everything are going up while we're being hacked relentlessly. Obama, yeah! Hey, this is me, three. It's Obama, yay! And all the Muppets flail their arms. Ah, it's the magic ring today! And for the 2016 election, the only way that Michigan is likely to be in play rather than being a lock for the Democrats is if the Republicans control State House in Lansing. Actually, we had a Democrat in there, and we still well, we still took it. Lansing makes good on plans to challenge the law that would appropriate electoral college delegates proportionally based on total votes rather than the current winner-takes-all system. Uh, Democrats love fucking with the systems, don't they? I just want to destroy them. Democrats just like want to remodel them to work in their favor. I just want to remove them so it's more of a level playing field for everybody. That's also why I hate political parties. It just makes it easier to focus on my team versus your team instead of like the policies these people are actually talking about. Anyway, why? Because the success of the, success of the automotive industry rescue makes makes democrats pretty popular in michigan right now no it didn't that's a lie that was the thing that made democrats hated here uh and that's it for this one and this was written by david kindly dev david killy the fat bald pig fucker himself uh so We've read the first story today about the gay cupcakes and cookies was all about good capitalism. People taking it upon their own volition to invest and buy and help companies. The second one was crony capitalism, where big companies use their sway and capital gains to destroy and choke out the little competition instead of competing with the bigger competition. And then you get into corporatism, where the government comes in and works with major companies to take your tax dollars and bail them out. So... Hopefully this episode has, in some way, it probably hasn't, helped you understand the difference between capitalism, crony capitalism, and corporatism. This episode is long as fuck. God, let's see, I got one, two, three, four, five, six segments already on here, including this one at, like, probably at 17 minutes, so that's 52 minutes, 3 minutes, 3 minutes, 5 minutes, 3 minutes, and then this one's probably going to be at 20 minutes before I'm done. Yeah, you got a lot of listening to do, don't you? Oh, but you can just tell by the end of that article I was already tapped out on my reading ability for the day. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. That was a lot of reading. Three articles in one day, man. Oh, I'll get good at it. Anyway, yeah, in short, fuck you, government. Don't take my money to go bail out companies. They should be allowed to fail on their own on their own merits for being fucking failures. I don't care how old they are or how important they are. I don't care if a company's collapse fucks up the world. Allowed to collapse, the world will heal, we will rebuild, and something will take its place. Nature pours a fucking vacuum. Furthermore, political parties are garbage. Absolute dog shit. Because watch, you could have a Republican and a Democrat up there, and that's all you're going to see, an elephant and a donkey. Now, if you had two people up there, you have John R. and John B. up there. Or John A. and John B. up there. I don't like this topic. I don't like that topic either. Oh, I agree with this. I agree with that too. Oh, well, this is my difference in approach on that topic, you know? They could agree, they could on a world stage agree with what they agree with with each other and then debate on things they don't agree with and debate on how to handle things they do agree with. Political parties only make it my team versus your team with no actual intellectual use put into it. You remove the political parties, 
you wouldn't have these tribal issues we have today. You might have issues like pro-choice, pro-life still. But even that would probably be easier to handle if the parties were more, the parties just didn't exist. George Washington has a great doctorate, or a great uh, doctrine on the failures and the long-term consequences of political parties. He absolutely hated them, wanted them abolished. He was absolutely right. Will I read that? Not today, but probably for a different episode. Anyway, this has been Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, the only ANCAP this side of the divide, and I will see you ugly some bitches on the other side of the Great Divide. Peace. Who can take tomorrow? Who can take tomorrow? Spend it all today. <laughs> Who can take your income and tax it all away? Obama man. Everybody. Yes, Obama man can. Obama man can cause he mixes it with hope and makes the world feel good. Yes, Obama man. I'm Mitt Romney and I approve this message.